Hello, I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks, and this is Father and Joe. And Father, I wanted to have a conversation about something that is out there as a sales pitch that has been around for as long as I can remember being in sales, which is the notion that if this company has been around for a long time, they're doing something right. They, most of them actually never explicitly say that. Um, but I've been around for a long time, so therefore people like me is kind of the general sales vibe that they give with that. And I started thinking about stuff like that, um, you know, about how each generation, we've discussed this before, is kind of can pick up where technology has, has been given them by their ancestors and those who have come before them. But we always got to kind of refigure out morality um, for the most part and how that's hard and very difficult to do. And it's better to, to, like technology, learn from those who came before us. But each of us intrinsically need to learn what's right and wrong as an individual. I don't need to learn how my phone works. I just know it works and it's better than the phone I had 12 years ago. So what I'm trying to get to here is... At the end of the day, people don't normally stay forever in a situation that is not true uh, or that is not good. So, you know, people will endure a while at a job with a horrible boss, but eventually it gets to a breaking point and it dissolves. And the essence what I'm trying to kind of like to this conversation is, Eventually, lies, no matter how well enduring they seem to be, dissipate and kind of fade away. Um, and there's lots of examples throughout the history, but ironically, they're kind of hard to think of because they have dissipated and faded away and been proven to be untrue. At one point, there was a large, con I guess it's actually starting to restart, a large contingency of people who swore on their life that the earth was flat. Well, then eventually truth and flat or truth came around and said, no, it's actually curvature and we can prove it. So what I want to discuss with this is, is the faith has been around for 2000 years. The church has, has been existed. And to me, in some ways, that is an essence of how there is truth here. There is truth in what the faith is accomplishing and trying to do, even though we can't materially measure it. And, and, and as we said in some previous episodes, it's hard, you can't really prove or disprove it. But to me, the fact that it exists, it's continued to exist, and it hasn't dissipated. It hasn't faded away as lies have. And I wanted to kind of just reflect upon that a see if the premise is even true if i come from right field and i completely missed it let me know uh but to me it seems like there's something there that it's just been ongoing and, and continuing um essentially forever um for two thousand years which isn't that far away from forever when you look how relative i am on this planet so i wanted to give you the the, the form there because um i think it's something worth discussing yeah, well, the, uh, the the principle in business, I think, makes sense because if a company can survive, uh, you know, there's a it's there's there's a reason for that. If they're doing something right, as we say, and 
So if it survives, uh, it's going to be something more trustworthy. The, the new kid on the block may have some innovations, but we don't know if they have a lasting product. We don't know if they have a, a, a stable support uh, team. Uh, we don't know if uh, you know they have sort of the momentum to, to carry through, if they're going to be keep continuing to up, update the product, for example, and if they're going to make improvements, if they're developing other things. So, you know, there's certainly something to be said for that. Uh, you could be a little bit cynical and say, well, you know, the mafia has been around for a long time too. So uh, it's, it's not a, an absolute rule that just because it's been around for a long time, it's a good product. I, the, the mafia is an effective product, I suppose you might say, but certainly not a good product. Um, and, and you could have other kinds of corrupt businesses. Sometimes things survive because the, uh, the initial corrupt operator has access to a lot of money. Things do survive in this world, um, propelled by the prince of this world. And so there is uh, something to be noted about that. Yeah, but, you know, certainly the fact that the church has been around for 2000 years in the face of so many reasons that it should have fallen apart. I think that's especially the compelling uh, evidence that there is something about this that's worth paying attention to. And, you know, the fact that we had the Borgia popes in the middle ages, that we had incredible corruption in the leadership of the church we're going through a wave of uh, realization about that now in more modern times. Uh, the, the business practices, the organizational practices, the incompetence of so many people in such high positions, uh, like a lot of these things are signs that this organization should have fallen apart a long time ago. And the fact that it persists in the face of that is certainly noteworthy. Uh, it's certainly one one of the evidences that there uh, is, you know, something something about this this organization. Um, now, again, it's you know you could say, well, like Buddhism has been around for a long time, and uh, Confucianism has been around for a long time, and uh, there are other things. But kind of the worldwide quality of Catholicism. And uh, the persistence through 2,000 years, the spread into every culture, and uh, a truth that is still held uh, in, in its core exactly the same as was given to the apostles and has uh, developed in an organic way to elaborate doctrines and to understand their application to modern day problems. We just have spent uh, some episodes talking about vaccines, obviously, Jesus did not talk about vaccines. Mm -hmm. So we need a truth that persists over time and is able to confront the, the problems that develop over the centuries. And, and having all of that in, in such a robust way, having that in the face of so many failures, having that persist uh, and, and enter into every culture is really remarkable. So one is hard pressed to look past that and say that it means nothing. Uh, it certainly means something. And it's not a result of the ingenuity of the founders. I mean, it's not because St. Paul was such a brilliant guy when he laid down the blueprints of the, the church or that St. Peter was such a brilliant guy. I mean, these are like, you know, a couple of these guys are Galilean fishermen and are just, you know, certainly uneducated and uh, don't have the wherewithal to 
create an organization that will survive and spread, grow and become universal over 2000 years. So, so we can't overlook that. And they, and they also didn't start out unlike the mafia or unlike uh, some big businesses where they start out with a tremendous amount of worldly power. These guys had no worldly power. To the contrary, their leader was crucified by the worldly power. So it is the most unlikely thing that we would still have Christianity and, and in particular the Catholic Church over these 2,000 years. And that's, that's something that we should pay attention to. Yeah, it's something that, like I said, it, it, it's – I see these commercials all the time. We've been around for 80 years and keep on going. And, like, why is there not an emphasis on on that? And, you know, something has to be right. And as you said there, you know, we can trace it back, and it's essentially the same that it has been. Um, you know, I, I, I think of – you know, just look at the local local business around you. The pizza place was really good when the dad was there, but after he retired, the whole thing has fallen apart. Um, and that's real. I mean, that that happens in a lot of different places around here. But we have gone through millennium of changes. Um, you know, you, you know, at a local parish level, you might go, well, I liked how the old guy talked to us or like how the, the new guy is more engaged or whatever. But the essence of what happens at the altar doesn't change regardless of your feelings towards that particular individual priest. You know, the essence is still the same um, being the the sacrament of of the Eucharist. So I, 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 on the one hand, I I just kind of don't understand in a world that's essentially obsessed with what are the key words now here? Authenticity, being true um, and, and stuff like that. We look at something that has been true and has been stable for 2000 years. Yes. Obviously the, the leadership element has had its ups and downs. I mean, we see that even to this day, unfortunately that there's bad decisions get made by people, but the elements of the sacraments and the teachings of the faith that when followed correctly, and I think that that's the part that gets ignored, that normally these things that when they, they go sideways or wrong are not really amoral decisions. They're normally just directly not listening to their own teaching that they're supposed to be um, living. And I think that that's part of the, the conversation that when we we talk about, sure, there's shortcomings of the church, there's things we that have gone wrong. Um, but whether it be a priest or a layperson like myself, the shortcomings are not normally, if ever, things that were endorsed by the faith. They were things that someone messed up consciously, subconsciously, whatever. It's still a mistake that wasn't down the way of, of the faith. So, like, to me, it, it's almost mind-boggling that, that something could last this long I mean, throughout history, there's periods it was widely accepted, but there's also certainly periods where it wasn't, and everything that the church stood for had been questioned, and it seems like now we're in a part where it's just trying to be ignored. Like, you know, people can go do whatever to try to find stability or a way to raise a family, um, but don't do it the old school way. Try to reinvent it yourself, and... As someone who invents things, I, I appreciate wanting to come up with the new and greatest thing, but I also appreciate that there's a lot of things I'm not good at, and why don't we rely upon things that 
are good and tested and what has been tested for longer than two millennia. So these are the thoughts that are going through my head as just a guy who's trying to get through life and build a, a better business. Yes. Uh, yeah, those are, uh, those are really important considerations and, and great observations. And I, I appreciate the approach of St. John Henry Newman and looking at these things that he recognized. There, there's no one line that convinces us. So there are a number of contributing factors. And then what he dubs the illative sense is that sense that we have that it's kind of enough evidence to make an ascent and to say, yeah, I believe this. And I think that this witness of 2,000 years of history, of consistency, of survival, growth, spread, uh, and, and development is a great is one of the really important evidences toward the authenticity of the church. We we from a contrary position would say, well, if this is really uh, an organization, an organism, a body founded by God, well, it ought to persist throughout time. And there it is; it does. And so, I, I think it it meets our intuition that if the claims we are making are really true, then it should be there in a consistent way throughout time. Now we can see. Other denominations uh, or other ecclesial communions, other uh, other churches that have developed in the midst of, of these two thousand years, and also ha- are persisting. You know, certainly the Orthodox being the most prominent among among them. Uh, the Orthodox have their own problems and challenges, but uh, primarily they also have persisted since ten fifty four when. They, uh, there were the mutual excommunications, and the Orthodox went one way, and the Catholics went a different way. And there's uh, been an ongoing development and uh, theological, pastoral uh, spread of, of Orthodox Christian faith, and an ongoing dialogue and a reason to believe in, in a unity. So uh, the other Protestant denominations, I mean, we'll see a lot of things have grown up and, and uh, petered out. And some of the those mainline churches, especially as they embrace things that have always been intrinsically uh, contrary to Christian teaching, like uh, homosexuality and uh, certainly incorporating that, endorsing that through marriage or uh, ordaining openly homosexual people. Any, any endorsement of homosexual acts. I mean, all of these things are, are fundamentally going to undermine the faith because it's, it's so intrinsically uh, contrary. Likewise, uh, and any embrace of abortion or, or even contraception is, is going to steadily eat away at the structures of the faith. It becomes internally contradictory. And that's kind of amazing that, you know, we, we see in the Catholic church and, and in a different way in the Orthodox uh, churches that, that, those things have not been introduced that that teachings uh, or practices inherently contrary to the teaching of the faith have not been introduced to undermine those uh, those churches over the past two thousand years. And so we see that uh, that persistence and consistency throughout time. and and that's a really important uh, mark of the church, we could say. I don't know that it's uh, the one thing that'll make me believe, but to go back to the business analogy, um, I, when I see a good product, I'm going to test the product on its own terms. But the fact that I know it was produced by a company that's been around for a long time makes me think that they know something about developing, manufacturing, and testing products. And so 
probably the best of what I can do is not going to be as good as the best of what they can do. And so I'm inclined to trust them. Um, as I say, that's going to be one uh, consideration among many, most likely. And, and I think that's also the case with our Christian faith, that we have to be we have to buy into some of the other claims of the faith, but certainly the persistence of the church is a is a strong evidence toward its authenticity. And one of the other things that you said early, and I, I I think that as Americans we have a hard time grasping this, um, and I think that you have a unique perspective of this because not only have you traveled around this country a lot, you've traveled around the world a lot. Um, you know, one of the things that America is, is it does have a little bit of everybody's culture. So we kind of get almost in a way you can look at it as deconcentrated. You know, it, it's not as, it's a little bit mixed. Everyone's a little blended. So when we talk about getting into other people's cultures, when we look at it, it's like, well, the people in Texas are different than the people here in Pittsburgh, which are deep, different than the people in Pennsylvania, which in some ways, yeah, obviously, I mean, they eat different things to a little bit, but you can still get pizza anywhere. I mean, that's everywhere in this country. Pretty much everyone speaks the same language and more or less, you know, has similar lifestyle tendencies. You know, the whole nine to five thing is kind of ubiquitous around this country, um, or at least it was before COVID. So, I mean, there's some big similarities that all 50 of us have. But when we talk about going around to genuinely other countries and other cultures, that's where there is some really stark differences that I don't think the average American gets. Because I mean, maybe we go to Canada, maybe we go to somewhere in the uh, in the Caribbean or something. Which the Caribbean certainly different, but is Canada really all that much different than us? We're all kind of the same. But you have been to some really remark different places. China's the one that, that pops to mind there. And I just kind of want to emphasize that because truth penetrates. Uh, it, it ultimately gets down to, to, to what's the essence of all of us. You know, the in terms of the way that the, the average Chinese person lives their day-to-day -day life and the average American lives their day of life, it, they're not a whole lot of similarities aside from the fact that binds us as people. We need to eat. We need to sleep. Um, we need to be relatively healthy. So I, I wanted to, to kind of let that get pointed out a little bit for the universality that this gets to the core of all of us. And in some ways, this is an argument about how we all must crave God in some capacity, whether we in, you know, instinctually know it or not. Well, that's right. I mean, we do hold that we are made in the image and likeness of God and that we are made for him. He is our destination and our fulfillment. And we see a lot of evidence for that in religiosity throughout the ages. We have there's a fundamental human need to worship. And if we don't worship God, we'll end up worshiping ourselves or the work of our own hands. But the need to worship is universally human. And then the structures through which we offer worship uh, are religion. And those, uh, those religious structures have developed in every time and place, in every culture. And uh, they have some consistent themes to them. And, and we see all of them fulfilled in, in Christianity, that uh, means by which we worship and the uh, um, well, and then coming to know a God who has revealed himself to us in in Christ is uh, 
the, the fulfillment of all of the other uh, efforts to understand God, know God, serve God, worship God in, in every other culture. So we, we do see Christianity bringing to a, a peak, a consummation, uh, all that has been inherently human in worship and, uh, and religion throughout the, uh, throughout the history of, of humanity. So, and, and you're so right. I mean, very different cultures have developed, uh, China, India, uh, Australia, you know, a few of the places that I've been and, and certainly very different cultures, ways that, um, people communicate and, and relate and, um, work together, the kinds of, uh, values that they hold and the goals that they pursue. And, uh, there are a lot of differences, but, uh, Christianity makes its way into all of them and does not destroy, but only enhances all that is authentically human uh, and purifies out that which is not human, which is contrary to our humanity. So, uh, yeah, it's really, it's beautiful to see. And that would be an argument against uh, orthodoxy, uh, the orthodox Christian faith, that it hasn't had that kind of penetrate, that power of penetration in the same way. Um, there hasn't been the, the sort of universal spread in the same way. They tend to be more national, a little bit more parochial in that sense. Um, so anyway, those are uh, those are important things to consider when we're uh, embracing our own Catholicism and then also uh, spreading it. Sometimes we are held back by questions like, is this really for everybody? The answer is yes, it is for everybody. It is the fulfillment of every human heart. It is the answer to every human question. Christ is the answer, and he is the fulfillment. And so it really is for everyone. And what a beautiful thought to conclude today's episode with. So we thank everyone out there for listening, and we'll be with you again next week.